Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. We are continuing our series on innovation. I am excited about my guest today, David Turetsky with Turetsky Consulting. He serves as a management consultant and is responsible for consulting with clients on people analytics, total rewards, and other HR data governance issues. In his role, David consults with clients all around the world and is focused on improving their usage of data, analytics, and HR processes in support of their business. David and his team partner with their clients to provide ideas, insights, and best practices on how to optimize people insights. Welcome to the podcast, David. Hi, Natalie. Thank you. So, David, in your previous role at ADP, you and I had the opportunity to work together, which was amazing, by the way. And you served as the chief product owner for ADP Data Cloud, where you developed incredible movement in the predictive analytics space. And it was beyond predictive analytics. And I, I like to think of descriptive analytics as, as important. And uh, it was a lot of fun trying to bring these innovations to clients who had typically thought of analytics as being a four-letter word. And they didn't understand it. And so what we had to do is we actually had to build a consulting team to help them figure out how to actually build people analytics into their business and to how they made better decisions and how they helped their clients internally on how to make better decisions around their business. Yeah, and that flows really nicely into what you're doing today. Can you talk a little bit about some of the problems that you're helping your clients solve? Sure. I think one of the things that people try and do when they are solving business problems in the world of HR is they're typically very reactionary. And that's not to be nasty or to be mean to HR people. We've grown up to help and serve our clients, and we try and give them the things that they ask for. And one of the ways in which I like to help my clients is to start by asking a question. And the question is, why? And that three-letter word you'd be thinking is a four-letter word because people don't like asking why. They don't like challenging. <laughs> but I love when my clients start asking the business, what do you really need? What's the fundamental issue you're trying to solve here? And how can I be a partner with you? How can I become a consultant to you to help you solve for your business problem? Mm. And so a lot of what we try and do is help push them in the direction and help them ask the question why, and then to be able to start wrapping analytics and measurements of those processes and of those key areas where they actually have really great data and some insights to be able to solve those problems. I love that because I feel like the best consultants push you outside of your comfort zone and force you to ask questions of, of what you're doing and why you're doing it today. And I think a good consultant challenges everything. They don't just say yes. They challenge how you operate. They challenge how you think. They challenge how you interact with your clients. And for those consultants who don't do that, I ask you, please, innovate the way you think and be able to challenge your clients to say, why do you do what you do? And ask them to challenge their clients and say, can I help you in a different way? Because that's a way for innovating in HR. And I feel like this is why there's not a lot of innovation in this space is because we are too politically correct, right? When someone brings an idea to the table, oftentimes it could be something that's already tried and true and been done. We're just trying to iterate on it and it's not really pushing the envelope forward. So could you talk a little bit about where do you see innovation happening in this space? 
What's fascinating is that there's a lot of talk about how robots and AI are going to innovate HR. And I think that while that's laudable, and I think it's great to start thinking about ways in which we can use technology to help HR do their jobs, I think that we have to start working on the human part of human resources, which is to start developing our skills to be able to utilize the tools that we have at our disposal today, but we're not really using today. Innovation to me isn't just about doing things with technology. Innovation to me is looking at what you do and being very critical about it and being able to serve it up in a different way so it it serves the better purpose for the people around you. I'll give you an example. So we talk a lot about analytics and we talk about measurements of people. And a lot of times that comes down to headcount. And we think about headcount as being one of those real key metrics that we use with the business. And while it is an extremely important metric to track and to make sure that we're not spending too much or overspending our budgets or shooting for a different way of, of spending the money we have, I think what we try and do too much is put a pressure on not being able to deliver a story around the metric. A lot of times you'll find HR doesn't innovate beyond the here's the data and provide that data to their clients. Instead, what I'd challenge HR to do is to look at that metric and develop a story, a narrative behind it. Provide your benefits to your clients by being able to provide the context beyond the numbers. So instead of thinking about the formula, instead of thinking about AI and robots and other things that might innovate headcount, let's think about the way in which we provide it to the client and innovate the stories and the examples we use and the context we use to be able to prove our value by giving your clients something that then they can say, hmm, that's fascinating. I didn't look at headcount that way before, but your context and the story around it makes me think differently about it. I really like that because I talk about storytelling all the time as a consultant, but it's forcing you to think beyond the numbers and actually put forth something that is going to answer the question of why. Exactly. There's a really great story that a friend of mine, Don Howell, used to tell about how his mother and he were making a roast one day. I think it was for Christmas. And they would cut the ends of the roast off before they put it in the pan. And Don said to his mom, hey, why is it that we cut the ends off? Those are my favorite part. I I never get to eat them during the holidays with you guys because we always cut off the ends. And she says, you know what? I don't know. Let's call grandma. And they called the grandmother and they said, hey, you know, we're wondering why do we take the roast and cut the ends off? And grandma said, well, because I only have a big enough pan for part of the roast. I have to cut the ends off to be able to fit it into the pan. And so no matter what size your pan is in analytics, you shouldn't think about the world of analytics in terms of the pan. And you have to challenge why we've always cut the ends off. Don't think about the size of the pan. Think about whether or not we need to get a new pan and and how we actually use that differently. So again, it's thinking about the tools that we have around us and being able to frame them differently to help our clients. That's why I love working with you because you do challenge the size of the pan. (laughs) So let's talk for a second about what are some of the innovations that you're most proud of in the HR data space? I love the fact that we're doing something called democratizing data. We're providing data to the people who actually make decisions. And so for a lot of the platforms that I've worked on in the past and a lot of the platforms I'm currently working on, 
we're thinking about how do we deliver data and insights to the people who need them. Those are not just managers and executives, but they're even supervisors, even their own employees. Being able to give data out to people who are making business decisions is what democratizing data is all about. Provide it to people so they can use it in context for the decisions they make to make that company better. And if you're one of those people and you've gotten data for the first time, you may ask, why am I getting this? You might ask what it's for. (laughs) And that's a great way that that HR person can then put on their consulting hat and then say, here's what it's all about. Here's how it can help you make good decisions. And that's what democratizing data is all about. Okay, I'm going to ask the question that the listeners may be thinking right now. Doesn't everybody just have access to this data today? No. Um, And that's what's crazy is that we've siloed the data and we've made the data very proprietary for certain people to have. And while the tools enable the access, what we found is like Field of Dreams, that really great movie, if you build it, they will come. And so they put it out on a portal. They tell people it's there once. Maybe they'll follow up every once in a while, but they don't tell them why it's there and what it's for and how to actually use it in making decisions. And therefore, people don't use it. They say, yeah, it's a great thing that HR put out there. Love it. Don't need it. I don't know how it fits into my world. And so the world of HR needs to explain to managers why it's there, what it's for, and how to build it into what they do every day. Then, then you can get around the, you know, field of dreams, you know, if you build it, they will come. Then you can get to them being able to make decisions because they understand why it's there for them. So break it down for us more simply. Let's say that somebody on here is listening and they either are, they run an HR department or perhaps they um, are in technology and they serve an HR department today. If they're trying to make this field, this area more approachable and think about their data in a fresh or new way, how would you recommend that they begin? Great question. I think it comes down to being able to sit down with business leaders and managers and the people who you want to consume this and then ask them, what do you see this doing? How can you use this in your daily job? And you will get back very frank responses. Some you may not want. You may find people in there who say, hmm, it's interesting. Let's think about how I can use it better than the ad hoc requests I provide today. And you'll find champions in those businesses who provide you with examples and ways in which you can think about being able to get this in the hands of the people who need it and be able to understand the challenges they're facing and then use those people who you're getting this feedback from to then stand in front of their colleagues and say, hey, this isn't an HR initiative. This is a management initiative. This is a business initiative. This is a company initiative. Um, And that will turn it from being an HR thing into a business thing. Think about it this way. When we talk about finance metrics, those are not thought of as being finance metrics necessarily. They're being thought of as the metrics by which we run our organization, right? Absolutely. So why has HR always thought of these things as HR analytics and people analytics and not business analytics? Wow. That's a mindset shift. Yes. Yes. And there are regulations that are coming out or are actually out right now by the SEC called Regulation SK. And that regulation is meant to drive HR to now open up 
the material disclosures that they need to make, the material measurements that they make and that they use every day. And, and by the way, the SEC actually uses that terminology, using measurements that you use in the operation of your business to tell the street, to tell Wall Street, to tell the public through disclosures what's happening in your business, the health of your business. This is actually a regulation in place today. It's just like the finance regulations that have been in there for decades, right? And it's things that we count on, you know, what does the balance sheet look like? You know, what's going on you know, from a risk perspective? Well, now they want to know where are the risks in the HR, in human resources that the investors and the analysts need to understand. So now we can judge your business in a different way. And so that's going to be a way. What types of things do you think they're going to be looking at? That's fascinating. It's going to be up to the company to disclose material issues they find in their metrics. And so we might be talking about things like turnover, which, you know, kind of another one of those variables that we talk about a lot in HR. We, we think turnover is a really compelling story, but a lot of times we don't have good context for it is because the data that underlies it doesn't support understanding. So if you haven't done a review of your tables that people are using to code why people leave, and you just have a metric that says everybody left because of resignation, <laughs> then it's not going to be a good story to tell the street, right? But if I understand that they left because of family issues or better job or more pay or um, relocation or relocation due to spouse, all of those things give me understanding about what's going on in my organization. So the data that underlies these metrics are even more important than the metrics themselves because they provide context. And without doing a review of those ways that those tables are set up, we could just be collecting resignation or retirement as being reasons why people leave. It forces you as an organization to have to care about why somebody's resigning. And, and that's an important piece of information, you know, if you want to get better and if you want to, the organization to grow in the right directions. And be able to coach your managers on problems that we see inside their organizations because why people are leaving. Right. They may not see one or two people leaving if they own a very large organization. But once you start to see trends, then we can help them by being a good consultant to them and being able to show them those specific areas of concern and why. And now that we have that context, because we've changed the way people code terminations, now we can show them the real reasons and be able to provide them with, you know, that kind of consulting. Where do you see, when you think about some of these things that the government's pushing down, which is always interesting to me when things we should probably be doing, I, I hate when we have to have the government tell us, hey, this is something you should be doing. But where do you see the industries going in this area? I think that the way in which government is pushing has a lot to do with the environment that people are operating in. So a few years ago, we heard a lot of push around, in fact, it was around the election, we heard a lot of push around equity. And that's still there. And it's wonderful. And it's great to start talking about diversity and equity in pay and in hiring and in promotions. And government is pushing us to now report on things in a, in a material basis, on a material way, that enable us to understand what's happening inside these organizations. Another way you could use Regulation SK is to be able to start talking about the results of the diversity programs you put in place versus the hope 
for the diversity programs you put in place, right? Measuring how what you had told people you were going to do and then showing those measurements to people and disclosing them. So now you can see if the company's actually made progress on it. So it's good to have that push in the back and whether it's governmental or whether it's self-fulfilling, right? And you wanted to do this. It's actually good to have that push in the back to push you towards bringing things to the light and actually showing people where you are. Um, and, I, and I think that what disclosures do is they help companies be able to say, this is where we are, and then chart a course to being able to be able to course correct if they need to, because disclosure means you can't hide from the truth. Wow. We need to say that slower. Disclosure means you can't hide from the truth. That's really important because I think we do yeah. hear a lot of aspirational desires in organizations, but then they're not really required to report on it. So then how do you really know that the needle is being moved? And I think in a year like 2020, where so much calamity has happened to us yeah. as people and economically, and not even to get into political situations or talk about po politics at all. But we are in upheaval right now, especially in this country, but all yeah. around the world. And throwing that into the operating environment that companies are in and trying to be able to say, this is how we're trying to make improvements in how we treat our employees and how we treat ourselves based in the operating environment that we're in. It provides whether it's employees or future employees or retirees or customers of these companies, it provides them with a context for who am I dealing with and how are they living through what we're living through today? Wow. You know, to anyone here that touches HR in any form or fashion or is in HR and they want to break through this box, right? They want to think outside the box. What's one area where you would tell them is just a simple way they can get started with breaking that status quo of the way things have always been done? It's a great question. I would first look at how you've set up your processes in HR because the data that comes from these processes that you're measuring, those things were never meant to be measured. They were always meant to be kind of the end result of a process. And we never thought about what it is we were collecting. We always thought about, can I hire someone? Can I give them benefits? Um, can they elect benefits? Can they put in their beneficiaries? And, and so on and so forth. What I would challenge you to do is look at the way your processes are set up. And are they set up, like I was talking about before with the termination reasons, are they set up for us to be able to understand why people leave? Or have they been set up to code for the people who are actually coding the termination reason because they probably don't know the details about the termination because the form that was always used never asked why, mm -hmm. <laughs> never asked that great three-letter question, why? Why don't we change the form? Why don't we change the process? So now we're collecting more context for why people may have left or who they're choosing as beneficiaries or what is the benefit election? Be able to gather data that will help us understand why an employee, a manager, an executive made the decision that they did in order to be able to help future decisions. Mm. So it goes to, it's not just the data itself, because I'll talk about data audit next, but it's about the actual process that collects the wow. data. Is it set up in a way that would enable me to measure things and be able to make good statements about them? 
and then be able to measure them and create stories around them. And then once you set the processes up, then go back and look at the data that are currently in your tables and say, where are the holes in my data? If I'm going to measure these things, what would prevent me from measuring them in a way that would make sense to the person receiving the story, receiving that insight? And then do an audit. Do an audit of your locations, of your jobs, um, your job table. So let's talk about job table for a minute. I've worked for companies that have had 18,000 employees and over 100,000 jobs. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's because not only could people be creative about the job title they, they wanted, but we kept all those job titles in history because we needed to go back and report. Okay, that's great. People, there's a way of inactivating jobs. So you're not looking at 100,000 jobs the next time we try and hire or create a requisition. And believe me, that becomes a problem as you're going to do these types of audits. Because when someone goes to create a rec, they have 100,000 jobs to choose from. And they will choose a job title that shouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> and just because it's there, they'll use it. And it won't be the right one, but it'll be the one for that rack. And then they'll get hired. And then we'll be using it again. And you'll say, wait a minute, why is Grand Poobah a job title? <laughs> Wasn't that a Flintstones reference? Didn't we hire somebody and then change their job title right away once we realized that was a mistake? <laughs> well, you didn't inactivate it. And, and, and that's the problem, though. Data lives forever if you don't take the initiative to audit your data and be able to make sure those foundational tables that are foundations to all decisions that are getting made are accurate to what represents our company today. That's so good. And I hope that if you're in the HR space or you touch that HR space in any way, you're, you're hearing this. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, it goes back to the question that I love to ask of why. And I, I want to challenge everybody who is in HR, who works with HR people, to be able to enable people. Innovation in HR starts with saying, why do we do the things that we do? And can we do something better? And so I implore you, if you're in HR or you work with HR people, allow them to ask the question, why? And be able to change things for the better. Listen to everybody at any level. Because their perspective on it is important to being able to be innovative. I've had people at all levels who've worked for me in the past who knew they could walk into my office and ask me that question, David, why? And I would either give them an answer or I'd say, yes, I'm wrong. Help me understand what the right context is here because I want to do things the right way. And innovation starts with being able to ask that question. That's so good. David, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Natalie. Well, to our listeners, thank you for joining the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. You can follow David on LinkedIn, check out his site at TuretskyConsulting.com, or head over to HR Data Labs to check out his podcast. And on top of that, it's going to be a double podcast. So please check me out on the HR Data Labs podcast as well. We are on a mission to get the word out to more listeners. So please start by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this episode on your social media platform of choice. And remember, don't just get out of the box. Break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership. And visit our site, at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more 
Innovation Resources. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. We work at the intersection of experience and imagination. We help you pinpoint problems and turn them into opportunities. We make imagine happen. Some of the best organizations in the world choose us as their partner to help solve their strategy, innovation, transformation, story, and ways of working problems. Learn more at Territory.co.